Hello and welcome to this edition of the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, I guess we can call this a special episode because we are going to get an advanced look at a book that has yet to be published. The book is entitled From Death to Life, How Salvation Works by Alan S. Nelson. And Pastor Nelson actually is our guest today on the podcast. And so we're going to jump right into our interview with Alan Nelson. This is going to be a two-part interview. The uh, interview actually went really long, but it's worth the listening to, so stick around. We're going to air this in two parts, not consecutively, though. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Atonement as an Easter special. But today, our first part of the interview with uh, Alan Nelson from Death to Life, How Salvation Works. I'm on the phone here with Pastor Alan Nelson of the Second Baptist Church in Perryville, Arkansas. Pastor Nelson, welcome to the Basic Bible Podcast. Hey, Kevin. It's, it's really good to be part of this. I appreciate the invitation. Well, we're thankful that you're, that you're on. You're talking about this very important topic, the issue of salvation. But first, let's talk a little bit about you. As I said, you are the pastor of the Second Baptist Church in Perryville, and you also host your own podcast, the uh, the Rural Church Podcast. You also blog at For the Sake of His Name. Tell us a little bit about uh, what, what readers can find there. Yeah, actually, I, I, I want to give a plug for where I started blogging new uh, is Things Above. Okay. Us, so thingsabove.us, and um, I, I do a blog occasionally at For the Sake of His Name, that's kind of been my long-term blog. But um, earlier this year, a few brothers who I met on Twitter, we started this, I guess if you want to call it a blog network. And so we try to put out things about, you know, theology, missions, evangelism. And then we also like to tackle sports because several of us are, are big sports fans. And so I, I recently, let's, I'm trying to think of a couple of things I've written recently. I recently uh, wrote a blog on um, – making Sundays less spectacular and meaning less spectator sort of uh, mm. and involving people. And then also talked about, uh, oh, I've got one coming out next week about um, calling people to Jesus using biblical language. And so um, those are some of the things I've written about recently. But, yeah, you can you can find out more there and a lot of good brothers there. There's seven of us at thingsabove.us. Okay, now I got to ask you about sports because I can hear the Arkansas in your voice. But did I read somewhere that you're a Packers fan? You know what? That almost that almost acts the deal that you put that <laughs> that you told me that you're going to ask me if I was a Green Bay. I, I thought, who is this? No, no way, no way. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, okay. Probably. I don't know, maybe you saw it. There's been interactions, you know, with with other brothers who have uh, been Packers fan, maybe I've ribbed them a little bit, maybe maybe you saw something like that, but no, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, and I still hold to 2014, it was a catch, Des Bryant caught it. Yeah, okay, we're going we're gonna to end the podcast right here, thanks very much for joining <laughs> us, no, <laughs> okay. well, we, we're, we're, uh, we're broadcasting from Beloit, Wisconsin, so I had to, I, I don't know where I, I made the mistake, but somehow I thought I but Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I've got family. So here in where I'm at, we have a division of Green Bay Packaging uh, here. It's called the Paper Mill, which you know, it's a paper mill here in uh, in our area. And so I have some family members because they're involved in that. They're big time Green Bay Packers fans, and so uh, 
that makes that makes family get-togethers interesting sometimes. Uh, well, I, I'm, a, I'm a New England fan, so everyone hates me. You must know what that feels like being a, a Cowboys fan, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the difference is at least New England has been relevant as of late. Yes. Whereas Dallas has just not really been too much. So my son is a who's 10 is a New England fan, New England fan and uh, uh, I, I give him grief. So <laughs> the Super Bowl was hard for me because it was the Eagles uh, and, the, and the Patriots, but right. I was still kind of pulling for the Eagles. <laughs> well, I'll forgive you for that. And uh, <laughs> oh. Well, what we're here to talk about today is that not only are you a blogger and a podcaster and a, a pastor, but you, you recently became an author, and you, you wrote a book here um, – about salvation. That's what we're going to be talking about today. The book is entitled From Death to Life, How Salvation Works. Just give us a little brief, uh, we'll talk about it more later, but give us a little brief rundown of why you wrote the book and, and how that came to be. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, my ministry context is here in the Bible Belt. And I think that there is a, there's great blessing to being in the Bible Belt, but there's also difficulty. And one of the mm. difficult things about being in the Bible Belt is that everybody is a Christian, and right. you understand that I'm saying that, you know, uh, in in uh, quotation marks there. Everybody's a Christian, and so that's one of the most difficult things is trying to explain to people what is a Christian and what is not. And so that kind of led to thinking through, okay, let's try to be precise in talking about how does someone actually become a Christian. And so that's a that's a broad, very broad there, but that's the general undertones of how this this work came about this is not something i thought about yesterday but something i've been wrestling with in in 12 years of vocational ministry well it really is a pertinent topic not just in the bible belt i I remember i went to college in tennessee for a little while and you know going door to door uh witnessing sometimes it's just a matter of forget about asking about salvation you ask what baptist church do you attend and which baptist church were you baptized in and you know but even in in our context uh, i you know i'm up north now and i'm from the new england area and i found even people in good churches sometimes have missed the point of what salvation is entirely even though they've been sitting in a pew with a bible all their lives right yeah so well that's uh yeah that's similar similar uh, here and that's that's what's uh, that's what's really um, we're, we're reaping a lot of fruit, uh, I would say, uh, of bad fruit in in, in our mm. day here in the Bible Belt, and and I know other places as well. So sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Kip. Right? No, no, go ahead. Well, let's talk about let's get down to the, the issue here, salvation. So with our format, we start off with definition. So how would you define what genuine salvation is? Yeah. So. When we talk about salvation, uh, particularly in the New Testament, it's, it's what we like to call an umbrella term. So salvation in the New Testament broadly really encompasses – well, a lot of times people talk about salvation, they're just talking about conversion. Right. Um, but when we talk about salvation uh, in the New Testament, we, we mean more than just conversion, but uh, conversion, sanctification, justification. Sorry, I didn't mean to – mix those, but justification, sanctification, the glorification, adoption, all these things. But to define salvation in, in uh, just just uh, what most people think of when they hear salvation uh, is, a, is an act of God uh, of, of bringing a sinner from death to life, whereby the sinner repents and 
believes the gospel and follows Christ as his only suitable and all-sufficient Savior. Great. So we're talking more than just a prayer that we prayed after a service or an invitation to walk an aisle or to sign a card or to shake a hand. We're talking about more than just one moment, one instantaneous uh, second in time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I don't want to – I've received just a slight bit of pushback on, on some of the things I've said about the prayer and, and the invitation system. And so I want, to, I want to be clear. I'm not trying to throw all of that out. I'm not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Do you pray to become a Christian? Absolutely. But is it this formulaic, you know, you say these words, right. and if you say them and you really mean them, that's what it means to pass from death to life or whatever. Um, I would push back on that a little bit. But I should say that that's a dangerous sort of mentality um, that we're seeing the negative fruits of that today. Yeah, and one of the things was we dig into the book and, and really dig into Scripture, not just your book, but we see that salvation is much more than a prayer. But a lot of things are going on that at the time we don't realize. Mm-hmm. When, when we've, at least on our end, we seemingly make a decision, we see that even from before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians 1, God has been work. Your mm-hmm. salvation for, on your end is seemingly instantaneous, but in the work of God, in, in the, the grand story of redemption, salvation is much more in-depth and much more detailed than even, you know, we can, we can understand with our human minds. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you, you're, you're absolutely right. Salvation, you know, I start in the book uh, talking about the first thing that needs to happen is, is the gospel needs to be heard. But I think, you know, I do make a few mentions there that I, I could have wrote a whole other chapter, a whole other book on, on really where our salvation begins is with God's uh, decrees in eternity past. Right. And so, yes, a, a, amen and amen. It's, <laughs> it's God's. Uh, yeah, salvation it does happen in a moment of time, but that is the fruit of something that's been going a lot longer than than just that moment in time. So how do you begin to explain that? And I think you do a good job of doing this in the book to somebody who may maybe a younger convert or, or somebody who just doesn't know their Bible doctrine, who's looking back on, I remember the day that guy signed my Bible and I was saved on this date. So how do you begin to, to explain to that person the fullness of his salvation? Or the, the the rest of the story, as as Paul Harvey would say. So are so are you? Do you mean like uh, from the from the eternity past, God's choice to save sinners? That that aspect, or what? You uh, yeah, I mean, we we could start there for sure, and just you know, oh, okay. and begin to walk through that that process. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, you know, I, I think that we all we all throw out words like grace. I mean, I don't know a Christian, uh, a true believer who does not uh, affirm that salvation is by by the grace of God. Right. Um, but when we begin to tease that out a little bit and really think about what that means, then we see that we were rebels. Uh, we were walking in our own way, going our own way. And uh, and, and here's, the, here's the reality. Any person that wants to come to God um, may come to God. Right. And God is not barring any person uh, from coming to him. The, the, the problem is, Kevin, as you well know, nobody's going to do that. And that's not God's problem. That's our problem. Right. And so God, in his gracious decrees in eternity past, has chosen a people to save for himself. And this is this is all of grace. Now, that's, that's difficult to hear 
I think at times, sometimes for new converts, but when we understand the depths of grace in mm. the New Testament, then then we see that, that truly this isn't about us at all. This is all about God, to the praise, as, of, as you referenced Ephesians 1 earlier, to the praise of his glorious grace. And so I, I um, yeah, I, I think that that's important for us to, to, to grab hold of. Um, and, and it's all over the Bible. It's not just in a place here or there. And so I think it's important to, uh, to talk about and to understand. Yeah, it's, it's really important for people to understand what we're, what we're getting at is not trying to take away anything from that, the moment, so to speak, but right. to actually expound upon that and to see how actually, how, how wonderful and incredible and miraculous that moment was. Because if we don't understand our, the depths of our own sin, and the fact that God has been working this entire time, changing that heart of stone into a heart of flesh, as Ezekiel tells us. Well, that makes it actually more incredible, and I can rejoice over that more. We're not trying to take away from that, that moment or trying to take away from the simplicity of the gospel, but we're trying to expand that and to see just how great that was and just how loving and how gracious and how wonderful our Lord is through that. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. And also a, a thing that we can see is uh, not not you can't always see every every moment, but right. You know, when that when it happens, when a person becomes a Christian, often they can look back and they can piece together how God has been working in their life a, a long time mm. to lead them to that point. You yeah. know, where all oh, their stories, well, I, I believe it was Adoniram Judson who was influenced by a uh, by an atheist friend in college, and it turns out they were both staying at the same place overnight, and they and they didn't realize it. They were in each in separate rooms, and his atheist friend died. Adoniram Judson asked, you know, who who was that man, and they told him his name, and he was floored, and and it, God really used that to turn him uh, to turn him to Christ. So there, everybody kind of has a story, but usually you can pinpoint some things. And say, wow, this is God has been piecing together some things mm. um, over time to bring me to this exact point. Well, let's look at uh, some scriptures that you mentioned here in your book. Again, the title of your book is From Death to Life. And uh, you mentioned it, uh, in Acts 26 and starting in verse 16, we kind of have a a small nutshell version here of the gospel, which you kind of expound upon in the book. And I don't want to take a second and read that. So verse 16 says, But rise, and this is Paul standing before Agrippa, But rise and stand up upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me, and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes, so that they may turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first, well, we'll stop there. But, uh, well, let's not stop there, because we'll go in, uh, then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region, Judea, to all, to also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with repentance. So explain to us how that, that really does explain what salvation's all about and what the gospel is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this, this gives away, so to speak, um, really how salvation works. Paul says that uh, 
God's appointment of his ministry is to open their eyes. And we and we know that that's not Paul opening their eyes by some sort of power that Paul has, but it's really the power of the gospel. Um, Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the, of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation. And so we know just quickly to define the gospel is all about the message of Jesus. It's all about what Christ has done for us, that God, uh, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus became, fle- uh, became flesh, um, li- born of the Virgin Mary, lived perfect life under the law, and then he died that propitiatory, substitutionary death in the place of sinners and rose again on the third day. And so Paul says as he's proclaiming that, uh, that message, that the eyes, that God is opening eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the light is turned on. And uh, sinners are then turning from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. And in that turning, um, so the lights are turned on, then they turn, and, and when they turn, they receive the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This all may sound like it's happening over years, but this is all instantaneous. The light, Paul's preaching the gospel, the lights come on. They turn in their hearts to Christ, and they receive forgiveness. And then in that repentance, um, and, and this is how, uh, unfortunately, repentance is something that is misunderstood, I think, in many evangelical circles. Repentance is not merely admitting you're a sinner. So, I mean, I've, you know, so, so we have the old admit, believe, and confess, and you say, look, you need to admit you're a sinner. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I think God says something like, yes, I know that you're a sinner. I already know that. Uh, that's not what repentance is. Repentance is turning. Actually, that's what the text says, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds and keeping with their repentance. Now, this 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 keeping deeds, we need to understand, it's, it's flowing out of all this other stuff that's already happened. You're not keeping deeds so that God will accept you. Right. You're keeping deeds because of all these things that have already happened in your in your heart, and so that's what that's that's what salvation is. So in in Titus two, Jesus gave himself to purify for himself a people who are zealous for good works. And we we need to ask ourselves: Does Jesus get in his atonement? Does he get what he paid for? And I would say yes. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect um, by any means, but that we this is the reality of salvation in in a person's life that they perform deeds in keeping with their repentance. So, in other words, your, your good works, again, they, they don't in any way merit your salvation, but they are a result of your salvation. And if there aren't works there, if there's no change in one's life, then that's a sign that there's maybe something wrong here with uh, maybe someone isn't, a maybe salvation hasn't taken place here if, if this person can go on continuing living the same life, doing the same things, thinking the same way as he did before whatever happened, happened. That's right. Yeah, we, we want to, you know, unwaveringly uphold the, the, the truth that justification is by faith alone. Right. And then explain that the faith uh, that, that, that justifies is, is the same faith that sanctifies and that a true saving faith is a faith that will produce good works. I, I had a pastor that I referenced in the book named Gene Tanner, and he used to say it like this, we don't work to be saved, 
we work because we are saved. Right. And so just a helpful, helpful way to say it. Yeah, and, and we also want to mention here that it's not, there's not a scale here. We're not thinking anything. Salvation, excuse me, sanctification is not an instantaneous work. So we're not expecting it. As soon as someone has, has said the amen of that closing prayer, you know, all of a sudden they are shining white as snow, righteous as they will be one day in heaven. You're going to continue to struggle with sin for the rest of your life, but nonetheless, there is a change. However small that may be, um, and that's going to be a continual effort, a continual change. Absolutely, and that, that legal that legal uh, declaration, our justification, that righteousness is ours. Right. Um, and, and, and that never changes. But that practical, as you say, that practical righteousness of, of, of actually growing and owing it. Yeah, we're not we're not perfect, and nor will we ever be perfect. Sorry, right. not sorry, John Wesley, <laughs> but we'll never be uh, perfect. Uh, however, I, I think to, to understand, um, you know, in sanctification, those 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 new desires, those new affections, they're all there when we become a when we become a believer, and how that will be lived out is uh, it grows over time, and so uh, you know that's uh, yeah. So I think uh, it's unfortunate that when you start talking to Christians about holiness. Um, some really want to balk and say, "Now nobody's perfect." Well, that's true. Nobody's perfect, but but that's not that's not the desire of the Christian is to to throw around. Well, I can't be perfect. The desire of the Christian is, I want to be like Christ because right. I've been given new desires, new affections, new new uh, a new heart. Right, and that ought to create a struggle, not apathy. We 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 can never look at our sin and simply, "Well, yeah, I guess I'm not perfect." So, oh well. But we, we look at our sin, and we, we hate that, and we abhor that, and we want to get rid of that, and we fight and we wrestle against it. Though we may not be completely victorious in this life, it's a continued struggle, it's a wrestle, it's a, it's a fight. And I think that fight is, is evidence that God is at work with, within me, because that's, that's not a natural desire to do what is right. That's an excellent point, Kevin, because sometimes I have people that I counsel, and they say, you know, I'm struggling with sin. And and I don't say it like this, but in a sense, good. You're struggling yeah. with sin, good. Because the alternative is to not struggle with sin and just to be succumbed to it and overwhelmed by it. So struggling with sin is a reality for believers. But it's a good thing because that means we're fighting it. Right. Um, so... Yeah, I, I see your point there. I think that's 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 a very good point. So that's where we're going to conclude our podcast with Pastor Nelson this week. And again, the book is entitled From Death to Life, How Salvation Works. We'll let you know as soon as that's available. So we're going to air part two of that, not next week, but the week after. So next week, we're going to have Pastor Phil Allen on the podcast, who's going to be talking about the atonement as we reflect on the Easter season. Well, until then, have a great rest of your week. Check us out on Twitter at BasicBibleCast. Share us on all social media outlets and rate us on iTunes. Have a great rest of your